Daniel chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 19 to 30. For those of you visiting, we're going through this great book of Daniel, and you've joined us today as we happen to come to our 10th study, one of the most interesting stories in the book, although this book is very powerfully prophetic, and certainly as we go on, we're going to see some wonderful things in the future about eschatological events, particularly the Antichrist and how he'll operate. But you follow along today as I read the scriptures, beginning at Daniel chapter 3 and verse 19. Here's what we read. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded and stood up in haste, He responded and said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, Certainly, O king. He answered and said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their heads singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielding up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word and to the exposition of it to follow a little later on today. Before we begin our study today, let's bow and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the precious word and those here to partake of it today. We pray that your spirit of God would minister to our minds and hearts. We realize, Lord, that we prepare for battle, but victory belongs to thee. So we pray that you would Make this a text of victory in our minds and hearts today, and we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Stuttered Kennedy was a chaplain in World War II who was often forced to minister on the front lines of battle, which took him to places in which he was in danger in his own life. One day while he was in France, he wrote a letter to his 10-year-old son, and here's what he wrote. The first prayer, and I'm quoting, the first prayer I want my son to learn to say for me is not, God keep daddy safe, but God make daddy brave. And if he has hard things to do, make him strong to do them. Son, life and death don't matter, but right and wrong do. 
Stories of courage are inspiring. They're inspiring to read. They're inspiring to watch. But stories of courage are typically inspiring when they happen to someone else. The truth is we all need courage to be brave. We all need the courage to do right. We all need the courage to stand up for what is right. Most people will never face or be faced with such an absolute extreme situation like that which confronted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Most people will not be forced to make a life-death decision as to whether or not they'll obey God or die. But that was the case with these three. What is so impressive to me about this case is that these three did not try to bargain or make some deal with God. We don't even find them questioning God. They knew that God could deliver them, but they did not know whether God would deliver them, but they stayed faithful to the Lord no matter what God did. That's the kind of courage we need to see today. Christians who will believe God and stay faithful to God, not bargain with God or question God. Christians who by faith will stay faithful regardless of circumstances or consequences. And every now and then, we get a chance to see that kind of faith in action. I know of a mother whose baby died at the same time a killer was set free. She never questioned God, she believed God. I saw a faithful husband and father lose his job, while a godless heathen who had worked for the company for less years kept his. He never questioned God, he continued to believe God and look for another job. I know of a faithful man who was riding in a van, a servant of the Lord. The van swerved and his baby and wife were killed, she died in his arms. He never questioned God. He continued to believe God and still is serving him today. I know of a father and mother whose only son drowned some 40 years ago. And some 40 years later, they're still faithful to the Lord. That's the kind of courageous faith that was demonstrated right here in the book of Daniel. Now, this is one of the great inspiring stories in Daniel, and it does three things. First of all, it encouraged Israel in Daniel's day. This text was designed to encourage Israel in Daniel's day. Second, it encourages us in our day. And thirdly, there's great prophetic truth here because it will encourage Israel in the tribulation day, which we'll learn about later on in the book of Daniel. Now in Daniel chapter 3, we get our final look at these three young godly Jewish men who ended up taking a remarkable stand for God and for righteousness. These young men were far away from home and the corrupting influences of the Babylonian world could have lured them into doing everything everybody else was doing. Everybody else was involved in the Babylonian culture and involved in Babylonian worship. And since these guys were far away from home, they could have become that way too. They could have blamed their compromise on their environment. After all, they could have said, why did God let us be taken captive? Why were we chosen? Why are we here? Let's just forget about the commitment that we have to the Lord and let's just embrace their religion and their politics. The mandate to bow down and worship a golden image was something that most young people would have done, but not these three. They stood for God. They honored God. They presented their bodies a living sacrifice. And as a result, God honored them. There is a lesson that we'll see as we go through this passage today, and it is this. When God's people obey God and they stay righteous in the face of severe threats and intimidations, God will eventually honor them and reward them. That certainly is the lesson you see as we go through these verses of Scripture. If one takes a stand for God, there could be immediate negative results. However, in the long run, in the big picture, 
Those who are faithful to God will be those who are honored by God. The Apostle Paul experienced the same kinds of things in his own life. He said, for example, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that there were times when the only one who stood with him was God. But he also would say in that same chapter, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now there are eight key facts to this narrative that I want to draw to your attention today. Fact number one, Nebuchadnezzar is very angry. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it is usually heated. Now there can be little doubt that Nebuchadnezzar was a man who had a terrible temper problem. He was the kind of guy who had an explosive temper, and that typically does lead to actions which are emotional and sometimes irrational. We know that he had anger and rage when he first learned that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow. And now when they're standing before him, reinforcing their position right to his face, the text says he was filled with wrath. As Harry Boltham has said in his commentary, he was blind with rage. In fact, he was so angry that the text is clear to draw out that his face became distorted. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times normal heat. Now, a furnace was typically used for smelting ore. It had a large opening at the top and usually a door at the bottom where you could take the metal out. According to Dr. Renald Showers, there was an inclined plane that took you to the top of the furnace. You kind of walked up through whatever it was you were going to throw in the top and would bring it out the bottom. Many have wondered, why is there a furnace out by this statue for which these three refused to bow? More than likely, that was there to build the statue. How do you get gold melted and the other metals melted in order to build the statue? You needed some type of furnace to do it. And so this furnace logically would have been located relatively near where the statue was. Actually, though, if you want somebody to suffer, the way to do it, if you want to burn them, is don't heat the furnace and make it so hot, because if you make it seven times hotter, that'll instantly burn them up and kill them. If someone wants to really make a person suffer, you let the fire simmer, but you don't get it as raging hot as Nebuchadnezzar did. But that tells us that when people have hot tempers, they typically don't even think through things logically, and that's the way Nebuchadnezzar was. Dr. John Wolvert said, when a man gets full of fury, he gets full of folly. The king wanted to save these three earlier and now he wants to destroy them so he has the fire heated seven times this was the kind of man nebuchadnezzar was listen if you're a person who blows up and are hot tempered you need to understand something you're going to end up doing and saying a lot of foolish things and you're not going to be pleasing to god god always wants his people in control not out of control there's a time for righteous anger but people need to go to work on their lives and get a handle on things if you work for someone or you live with someone who's hot-tempered, there's a good lesson to learn here. Keep your composure. When you're in the midst of the difficulty and someone blows their stack, you stay calm. Eventually, God will intervene and you'll be seen for who you are and they'll be seen for who they are. Which brings us to the second narrative fact. Nebuchadnezzar commanded that the three Jews be bound and cast into the furnace. Notice verse 20. He commanded that certain valiant warriors, valiant warriors, who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Now he specifically ordered some of his best military men 
to tie up these guys, and they knew the not tying business. They certainly were in the business of not letting prisoners get away. And he wanted them tied up and thrown into the fire. These men were known for carrying out assignments no matter what it was. The fact that they would be tied up would negate the possibility of their escape. But that wasn't really necessary because the fact of the matter is these three were not going to try to escape. They were just going to trust in God. But Nebuchadnezzar hadn't figured all of that out yet. When Martin Luther, the great reformer, was on his way to be excommunicated, he appeared before King Charles V. Luther didn't know what would happen to him, but he thought about this very story right here that we're reading in the book of Daniel. And here's what Luther said. My cause shall be commended to the Lord, for he lives and reigns, and preserve the three Hebrew children in the furnace of the Babylonian king. If he is unwilling to preserve me, my life is a small thing compared with Christ. Expect anything of me except flight or recantation. I will not flee, much less recant. So may the Lord Jesus strengthen me. Now what Luther basically said in thinking about this story, I'm not going to run. You can count on the fact that when I get before this trial I'm supposed to go to, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to back down, I'm not going to recant my position. And neither would these three. Although Nebuchadnezzar hadn't figured that out yet. The third narrative fact is the military men bind the three Jews and throw them into the furnace. Verse 21 says, And these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because of the king's command was urgent, and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now there's a careful description given in verse 21 as to what these three were wearing. They were tied up wearing their clothing. This would have been official clothing, perhaps some type of uniform. They were probably taken to the top of the furnace, up that ramp, and dumped in the top. The fire was so hot that it actually killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them in. And that proves, ladies and gentlemen, by virtue of the fact that the men were killed who cast them into the flame, that there was nothing lacking in the killing power of the fire. In other words, when these three land in the middle of that furnace, there's nothing lacking in the fire's ability to kill them. It would be a miracle if they got out of there alive by virtue of the fact that even being at the top of it killed those men who hauled them up there. Now, there are three things that are spelled out in these verses that guarantee these guys will burn. First of all, they're wearing flammable clothing. And the text is clear to point out there was a lot of clothing. They were their trousers, their coats, their caps, their other clothes. I mean, that's going to burn. Then you have a raging inferno that has just been heated seven times hotter than normal. And then you have they're bound so tight so they cannot move. Men may do everything they can to destroy people who are faithful to God. They may box them in. And they may make things so tight and pressured that it appears as if there's nowhere out. But the one thing that no one can ever do, and that is bind Almighty God. Even though from a human perspective you say they have no chance here of surviving this. The fact of the matter is God was right in the midst of this. And he was going to see to it that they would survive it. This teaches us an important principle though about those who wrong you. If you're a child of God and you're standing up for what's right. Somebody who unjustly puts their hands on you will eventually pay. Somebody that unjustly or unmercifully does something evil against you will eventually experience the fiery judgment of Almighty God, just like those that hauled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the top of the furnace. 
Which brings us to the fourth fact, Nebuchadnezzar witnesses the deliverance of the three Jews. Now look at verse 23, but these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He responded and said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, Certainly, O king. He answered and said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Now Nebuchadnezzar must have sat opposite that bottom opening where they brought things out, and he's looking into that fire. He could peer into it. And the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar saw was that his own military men that had hauled them up there were killed, but the three Jews weren't. The fire immediately killed those who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it did not immediately kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, they fell right into the middle of the fire, still tied up. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked into that fire through that bottom opening, he saw five startling sights. Five things he never expected to see. First of all, he saw four in the fire, not three. He also saw that not one of them was bound. He saw that they were walking in the fire. He saw that nobody was hurt by the fire. And then he saw that there was one in there like a god or like the son of God. The king was amazed to look in there and see this. He says, I look in this and they're in the middle of this. And then Nebuchadnezzar was astounded by the fact that they were cast bound and they're not bound. He says in verse 25, I see four men loose. They're walking in the midst of the fire without harm. The ropes are gone. They're walking in the middle of this place as if they're walking in some park. Dr. Warren Wearsby said they're walking around as if they're in a palace, not a furnace. Instead of these guys writhing in pain, they're walking around as cool as cucumbers. And the fourth individual was what Nebuchadnezzar recognizes to be some form of deity. And it's my opinion that what you have here is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, a theophany, because we know from a study of New Testament doctrine that it's Jesus Christ who was the angel of the Lord, and he often would appear in a pre-incarnate state and often made himself visible, so I would believe that. And we also know from New Testament doctrine that it's Jesus Christ that keeps one from burning an everlasting fire. But ladies and gentlemen, I want us to see something that is very important and very practical. You and I have the greatest potential of displaying God when we're going through the fires of trouble. It's so easy to say we're a believer when things are going great. But how about when they aren't? How about when you're hit? How about when things aren't good? How about when things really are on the line? Those are the times when we're watched. And those are the times when we have the moments of our lives when God can really be seen through us and in us. Dr. David Jeremiah told a remarkable story of a couple in his church that he was visiting with. And he said he asked them how they came to faith in Jesus Christ. He said, the couple said, well, we live next door to a family that was in your church. He said, the factory had shut down and everybody was losing their jobs. And he said, that couple had been without work for six months. They lost their jobs before most everybody else did. He said, they lived across the street from us. We knew that all their benefits were gone. They just seemed to be eking out an existence but he said, we also saw that all of their needs seemed to be met. And he said, we also saw that they didn't seem to ever complain. They were always so upbeat and positive. 
They didn't seem to be gloomy. They seemed to be happy. He said, one night my wife and I were talking, what's with those people? We decided that we would go to their house and ask them, how in the world can you be so upbeat when you have so many bad things happen to you? He said, so we walked across the street. He said, they answered us and said, the reason we're so upbeat is because God has always taken care of us. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's never failed us. He's always supplied our needs. And he said, through their witness, we came to faith in Jesus Christ. That neighbor saw God in the midst of a fire. When those godly neighbors were going through that fire, they maintained a faithfulness to God and what a witness it was to others. Those neighbors saw God deliver his people and provide for his people. Perhaps you find yourself in the midst of a fire right now. Maybe your world is hot. Things are not comfortable. It could be financial distress. It could be emotional distress. It could be a relationship distress. It could be an occupational distress. It could be a health issue distress. You stay faithful to God. Because remember this. You can display God through you when you're going through the fires. Don't complain. Don't run. Don't give up. Don't quit. You quietly trust the Lord and watch what God will do. He'll work through you to display himself to others. And there are those that watch us when we're in that fire. The fifth narrative fact is Nebuchadnezzar asked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come out of the fire. I love this. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace of the blazing fire, responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out. I wish they'd have said, hey, why don't you come in and get us? <laughs> or send in those counselors of yours to come get us out of there. Fact of the matter is, they could have held up in there and stayed in there for a long time. But Nebuchadnezzar knows that the only way he can get them out of there is if they decide to walk out of there. They're obviously not hurt by the fire. And I want you to notice carefully that Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges that these three are servants of the Most High God. He states that in verse 26, Come out, you servants of the Most High God. This is the same concept Nebuchadnezzar had of God when Daniel interpreted his dream, and this is what we need to remember about our God. We need to remember what Nebuchadnezzar is saying here. We are servants of the Most High God. No matter what we're going through, no matter how hard, difficult, dark, or fiery the storm may be, we are servants of the Most High God. And we have a relationship with a God who is able to deliver us in any situation or circumstance. Which brings us to the sixth fact. The leaders examined Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 27. The satraps, prefects, the governors, the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on their bodies of these men, nor was their hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Now these are some of the same people that had brought the charges against them earlier in the chapter. These are all the people who bowed down at the image. And now these are all eyewitnesses to the power and might of God. And they're examining these three. And they discover the fire had no effect on these men. They had no blisters on their body. They had no singed hair. They had no burnt clothing. No smell of smoke. There's no scars. They don't have to go to some burn center to get treatment. They're not putting bandages and cream all over their body. Not one hair was even singed. 
Their pants weren't even damaged. The only thing that had been burned were the ropes that bound them. And because of their faith in God, the things that were binding them were gone. You see, they passed through the fire without any negative effect whatsoever. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the things that bind you will be gone. God has the power to take away things that are boxing you in. There is a book that is written. It's a book of remarkable stories of Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. The book's title is Unshackled. In that book are some incredible stories that are just fascinating to read about some remarkable things that God has done. One of the stories in there is about a young man from around this area right here. His name was Arnold Vandermule. He was raised in a godly Christian home. But by age 14, he had been in trouble with the law two times. He mocked his parents' faith. In fact, one time when he saw them praying for him, he said, your prayers are no good for me, so don't bother praying for me. He didn't have any serious interest in the things of God. He ran away from home. He went to New York City. He got gambling. He got into heavy drinking, and he got into crime. And he ended up in jail. By the time he was 16 years old, he was standing before a judge who would sentence him to a state penitentiary for three years. When he got out, they decided that he ought to go into the military. They put him in the military. He went AWOL. He was given a double desertion charge, and they were after him to track him down. In 1947, at the age of 22, he walked one night in the Pacific Garden Mission. And it was there where the Spirit of God gripped him. That mother and father never stopped praying for that boy. And God broke him down right then and there. And he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. He stood up to the charges that were against him. He served his time. He came out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he became a powerful evangelist. The things that bound him were burned away by the blood of Christ. Now, I don't know what it is that's binding you, but I know this. The Lord Jesus Christ can set you free. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your guilt, your burdens, your sin will be washed away. You'll be set free of it all. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were set free of the ropes. The seventh narrative fact is Nebuchadnezzar praises God and demands that others honor God. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. There's no question that God had done two amazing things for Nebuchadnezzar. He had revealed his dream through Daniel and he had revealed his protective power upon the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar is saying, this is the only God who can do this kind of thing. This is amazing. Because you have a Babylonian heathen king who's praising the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, he so decreed that any who spoke against this God would be torn limb from limb and have their houses destroyed. Do you see why 
God allowed these three to go through this? He's making a statement for him. God says, watch what I can do with people who stay faithful to me in the midst of storms. I can display my power that can affect major individuals and major people in the world. Which brings us to the final fact. Nebuchadnezzar promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 30 says, Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. God elevated these servants, and that's what he always does. He elevates those who are faithful to him. No matter what environment you're in, no matter how evil the environment, God will always see to it in the end that his faithful people are honored. What we find in the Babylonian world are four key Jewish young men who are raised up to the highest official levels of political power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego first show up in chapter 1. They're taken captive against their will. They didn't want to move out of Jerusalem and be hauled off to Babylon. But when they got there, these three made a decision, we'll not defile ourselves. We're not going to get into sin that everybody else is involved in. They were young men of prayer. They were young men of principle. And when we get our final glimpse of them, this final time in the book of Daniel, they're men of position and power and prosperity. They risk everything for God and God honored them. They did not lose by their suffering. They gained by their suffering. And that's the way it always will be for those who are faithful to the Lord. You won't lose if you're faithful in suffering. You'll gain if you're faithful in suffering. Now this is a great picture, prophetically speaking, of what God is going to do for Israel during the Great Tribulation. Because in the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, and we'll talk about this in great detail later in the book of Daniel, but in the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, Israel is going to go through the fire. There will be an Antichrist who will demand that people take the mark of the beast. He will demand that they bow down and worship him. And people who refuse to do that will risk their lives. But God says there will be a feeble remnant who will stay faithful to me. They will endure until the end. I will see them through and they will finish winners. But what's the purpose of this miracle? Well, first of all, it shows Israel that her God can be trusted and obeyed at all times. Israel at this time was being dominated by a ruthless foreign power. This nation was being dominated by a powerful group that denied the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the miracle shows that it is this God who's still in control. This is a God who can still be trusted no matter who's in charge, no matter what the threat is. So, if you're going through a difficult, fiery time now, you remain faithful to the Lord. You trust Him. Stay true to Him. And I promise you, you'll end up a gainer, not a loser. If this story in Daniel teaches us anything, it teaches us that. And those of you that are going through difficulties, and I know some of you dear saints are, stay the course. Do you realize it's in moments of hard things when God can be seen through you at the greatest possible level? So you stay the course. You stay faithful to him. May we pray. There's only one person that can keep you from burning in the fires of hell. It's the same person that was in that fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's Jesus Christ. If you're here today 
regardless of if you're religious or not religious, regardless of if you're good or bad, moral or immoral, the only way to escape the fires of hell is through faith in Jesus Christ. Right now in this moment, why not settle that issue forever? You pray something like this, God, I'm a sinner. I thank you that Jesus died for me, and right now I place all of my faith in him to be my Savior. Our Father, we need to be people who reflect the trust, the hope, the confidence that was reflected by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Forgive us for the times when in difficult moments we've whined or complained. Help us to be people who reflect this kind of faith, a faith that doesn't bend or bow. For anything that you've accomplished here today, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.